Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an x-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sharon. I'm Sean. (laughs) And I'm Ed. (laughs) And, sorry, they're making me laugh. Today on the show, we are discussing True Lies, which is season two, episode 12. Ooh, True Lies. Also an Arnold Uh Schwarzenegger film, but... That's no. definitely not what this is. This is not. Episode 212. I love it. Mm-hmm. I like it. And we have that trope. We have the trope. We do. Starts. I was thinking that too. And I'm loving it. And I think this is yeah. another thing we need to set a jar for of money if we haven't yeah. already. Uh, but this time it, it's Dr. Queen waking up Rachel. He's had Rachel over to stay and he's yeah. the one waking her up and she doesn't want to get up. And She is cranky this episode, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's going through a lot. Her yeah, parents aren't, she knows there's something going on with her parents, mm. I guess. And But yeah, she's very, very cranky. And and I feel, you know, I feel for Dr. Green because we're seeing him having to now struggle and try and figure out how to be a single parent because obviously before he'd always kind of have Jen around, but this is, so he's trying to make her, you know, make her breakfast seem fun. And she's like, no, I don't like it and I don't want it. And then Jen calls and he has to have this conversation with Jen where he's all... He, you know, it just it just sounded a bit antagonistic. She said, "You know, yeah. are you saying things about me?" And he's like, "No, I'm not bad mouthing you." And then she's obviously putting pressure on him to sign the divorce papers. And he's like, "Well, not until my lawyer reads it." So it's not the best start for Doctor Green. It's no. not. Also, he's even in the most amicable of divorces. I mean, of course, you just you just do that because then nobody makes any mistakes. No one, even unintentionally. Yeah. Um, put something in that shouldn't be there because that every divorce is different, right? Yeah. And, you know, but Jen's a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's one thing that I think is the fact that, and this is something we talked about last week as well, that she served in the papers while in work. Yeah. I think she is trying to wrong foot him. She is trying to get around something and she knows he's working all of the hours. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I mean, it's almost as if I don't like Jen very much. Uh, but, but you've um, never said never, that before. Yeah, you know, no, I've really changed my opinion. <laughs> You're so good at hiding how you really feel. Sure. I was, I was. I think it was when I ran her over with the car. I think I just, <laughs> no, I threw a band, uh, threw everything to the wind. It was just like, that's yeah. it. Just be truthful now about how you feel. I've done it. Um, but uh, so if I were Mark as well, I would yeah. most definitely because you're exactly right. She is being antagonistic and she does presumably have the legal know-how mm. to potentially screw him. Yeah. yeah. Put something in there that might seem innocuous, but actually is yeah. something. Um, we know how they can, you know, some lawyers can be very sneaky. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to, cut to the ER where Carter and Benton are finally, finally discharging Sylvie Rubidoux. I oh, know. Um, but Ruby's still there asking questions constantly about Car- of Carter. And it, uh, this is a tough storyline because we're seeing Carter really flounder here and really, you know, not behave the way he should behave. Um, so we see him with Ruby and he's actually, he's not like how Carter normally is with patients. He's mm. so annoyed by him and yeah, just trying really to get rid final of him. Tether, like, yes, yes, yeah. Um, so I feel but, a bit sorry for him there. But. Yeah. Did you notice Dr. Utilich being all charming to Sylvie Ruby oh, though? Oh, no. And then just oh. like behind her back going, oh, thank God, because she's going. Cause she's, yeah. It was just so sleazy. I 
really don't the like Doctor Vucilich. No. Yeah, the, one, the, the funny thing of the three doctors who are in this scene, Benton is the one who probably comes off the best because whatever else we'll say about Benton, and we will say plenty, <laughs> what you see is what you get with him. Yeah. yeah. You know, he is, he will be an arsehole to your face and he will be yes. an arsehole behind your back. Yes, yes, absolutely you know. true. So, is he saying something about me? Yes, he is, and you know he is. So <laughs> do your job, you know, like make sure you get everything yeah. right. Um, and this is something. So I think we'll 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 come back to it later in the episode because there is a huge moment for Carter in this yeah. episode, and there are feelings on this, um, which is which is great. <laughs> it's one of the absolutely fantastic storylines of ER. Yeah. Yeah. And because it, it, it all comes to a head, which we will get to kind of a bit later, and and we see how this actually impacts upon Carter as a as a doctor. But as you say, you know, Doctor Vucilage kind of arrives or slithers in as he he's wont to do. Yeah, doesn't he just kind of and he invites mm. Benton to his house for dinner? He's all like, oh, I've got this, you know, come to dinner. You think, okay, I mean, it's a bit short notice, but you know that. And Benton is so excited by this, as you would yeah, be, because, yeah. you know, this is your mentor and you're, or the person you hope to be your mentor, and he's obviously inviting you into his inner sanctum. So you, you're kind of excited about that. Um, so that kind of is set up for the day. And this is what I love is the little exchange between Carter and Benton after this, where Carter's like, so who... Because, you know, Carter's used to kind of these mm. big, lavish men, meals and from his background. So he's kind of schooling Benton a bit on how Benton needs to behave. And he's like, you, you know, who are you taking? Who are you going to take? And he's like... Um, oh, nobody, or maybe, and he's like, he's like, we've got to take somebody. So I'll probably take my sister Jackie. And Carter just laughs like, you can't take Jackie. That's yeah. not how it works. And then he's like, oh, what about Jeannie? And I love it because Benton's like, I can yes. get my own damn date, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> but then well, goes and asks Jeannie. So what? what yeah, and asks Jeannie as well, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. She loves it though. She does... I think she's like, is this a date? And really like, plays up to it. Yeah, really messes yeah, yeah. with him. She's definitely, she knows she's teasing it. him as much as, like, because at this stage, obviously emotions are still high. We had, Al yeah. came and visited the ER last week. Now, we know that Jeannie is so done with Al. That's not yeah. a thing. But Benton didn't ask. No. Benton just pulled the Benton on it. So yeah. from his point of view, he's hurting. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know. I thought maybe. And I think there's a little bit of punishing going on. And I think it's totally bloody fair. I agree. <laughs> I completely Definitely. agree. But I, yeah, I love it because she really, you know, she's like, is it a date? He's all like very, you know, all caps, it is not a date. And then she mm. kind of picks up on that. Like, you know, she's like, well, then, you know, you don't need to pick me up. I'll meet you there. It makes it quite quite business transactiony rather than, yeah. you know, really puts home that this is definitely not a date. You're not going to pick me up you're not going to drop me off none of that we're just two people turning up at the same place um for dinner so you know i, I love that about Jeannie. i love that she can kind of mess with mess with ben she's one of the few people who can really yeah. do that with him well as we said before she's not intimidated him intimidated by him in the slightest whereas no. he seems to do that to everybody else we said in the past that you know you wouldn't stand up to benton or you just leave him to it and go oh god benton's been a, an ass yeah, yeah. but Which she's the one do. who Exactly, she's the one who challenged him. Absolutely. I'm going to be a 
be a bit of a child here because they're talking in the hall about who's going to this dinner and one of the, the name of one of the uh, doctors is, is Gaylord Fields and I'm so <laughs> sorry but the name Gaylord makes me laugh every single time because like that was an, an insult we used in the school ground it's not great but we call each other Gaylord a lot I remember somebody turned around once and said oh you're such a Gaylord yeah well okay yeah, yeah. called it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm gay and I'm a lord. In fact, yeah. my husband highly <laughs> disagrees. <laughs> me, me and my best friend. Now, he calls me gay lord. I call him straight baron because that's below a lord. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. He's like, oh, damn it, fine. I'll go yeah. and find a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's just the name gay lord. It's, I know it's an actual name, but it still makes me laugh. Um, did you hear as well? So when they're discharging Ruby, uh, Mrs. Ruby do, yeah. Um, he says, oh, Dr. Chung at the medical facility. Ooh, he says something, yes. oh, a little bit problematic. I'm not going to repeat it, but... Oh, well, yeah. he basically says they know about their spring rolls, but... Yeah, it's know, egg rolls they know, yeah. but I'm like, well, there's a stereotype of Chinese doctors anyway. It's just... <laughs> oh, it's, um, uh, so I just thought, yeah, okay, he's done a little racism there, which, you know... Yeah. Oh, but... Yeah, he says that, and this is in the moment Carter's really just trying to get him out oh, of there, yeah. and he finally kind of gets him out the door, and Turfs he's still yeah. asking millions of questions, and Carter's yeah. still kind of avoiding it, and hoping yeah. somebody else will at this point, you know, take over. And then he's gone, and it's really, you know, it's just the relief on Carter's face, which I completely get, but also, come on, Carter, this isn't you, you know, you shouldn't treat people like that. Yes. Um, and and you know what, in fact, you're so right because we've seen so many examples of him being so good with patients. Yeah. W- one thing that jumps to mind straight away is the last episode of the first season. And mm. he thinks for a couple of hours that it's his last day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so he just spends it with a little boy and a girl and just makes sure that they feel, you know, safe and looked after. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Carter that yeah. we... Yes. Not just that we want to see. Everyone's fallible, but... It's that's who he is. Yeah. This is it, it. It's a shame because he literally does a fist pump and goes yes yeah. when the ambulance pulls away. And uh, you know there is there is a lot of sympathy. The man is tired. He has been answering all these questions. And also, um, I think it's deliberately dropped in as well that the fact that Benton every few seconds, do you have the paperwork done? Do you have yeah, that paperwork yeah. done? Yeah. There is a lot to do. He is a doctor. He has a lot to do. He can't, unfortunately, spend all this time with one patient. But he puts too much into the discharge. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody who you know, it starts out very well-meaning and, you, and, and you're kind of trying to placate them a little bit and be nice and and then it keeps inching and so you keep being nice and it keeps inching and it, and by the end you've spent like a really long time talking to this person or placating this person or whatever with that person and you kind of, you're trying to be friendly. Sorry, I was just doing some acrobatics. Um, you're trying to be friendly and you realise i don't know you get to a point where you're like you know what i, I kind of can't do yeah. this anymore and yes. you kind of lose your that's how i felt a bit what was happening here with carter yeah. because i felt like as much yeah. as he was giving and actually the fact that he, he was behaving the way he w- was so kind of against what he normally does it just showed me how draining he was finding ruby and yeah. how he was just not able to actually deal with him and this is something that i know we we're going to discuss kind of our different interpretations of this moment yeah, but yeah. but I, I i do want you know i i do feel a bit for carter in this 
because <laughs> sorry, Sean's getting his he's getting ready, he's getting <laughs> he's cracking his knuckles, ready for a he's gonna beat me up. Um <laughs> <laughs> not at all while we're recording. He can't reach. <laughs> he can't reach you, Sharon, you see. Better not. Better not. Um yeah, so we'll come up to it, but you know, at this moment, I, I kind of can see what what's going on for Cartel mm, at, yeah. at that point. I I know exactly where you're coming from, Sharon, because if you've worked with customers, you do have those people who yeah. you're like, I can't tell you enough what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, and this is the end of the conversation. I've I've you know we've got to move on. Yeah. But at the same time, Carter, you know, I should keep going. Carter shouldn't have given his number out. You know, he shouldn't. Yeah. Have he, he's yeah. Yeah, he blurred that boundary for sure. Definitely. And, and so, like, in fairness to Ruby, mm. from his point of view, oh, well, he's just, he's told me he's available. And he literally said the words, call me anytime. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. I think I was saying that just to shut him up as well. It's just like, yeah. I know what will make him go away because he probably won't do it. Here's my number. And then, you know, last episode, the dead of the night, he calls. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I struggle a bit, a bit with Ruby is that him and his wife are older and I'm not saying it's any easier to kind of lose a partner, but at least have some awareness that things get more complicated when you are ill, when you're older. He just it seems to be in this real weird delusion of, you know, she's going to get up and be dancing yeah. again. And, and, and I don't know, that, that was a bit like, you know what, I'm not old, I can't, I can't say that but it just felt a bit like where you know he seems to really not get that they're both not 22 anymore yeah i don't know maybe that's unfair but yeah he definitely is thinking about um he's been nostalgic rather than accepting that's... what's happening right now yeah he's not seeing I, I, what i feel is that he's not seeing them as they are he's mm. seeing the himself and his wife as they were yes, yes. and that and I, uh, un, until he can marry the two yeah yeah and i suppose that happens i suppose you know like i'm of a certain age but i sometimes still think i'm you know 20 and it, it sometimes it's funny when you don't really feel the age that you actually are or so maybe that there's that part of it but i think the other part of it is if somebody is that deep in their denial there is only so much you can do to bring that, you know, Carter did try in the last episode to be like, she may need full-time care. And he just rejected that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like Carter, there's not a right way for Carter to be able to tell him because he doesn't seem to be accepting it at the moment. I don't know. Maybe he should have tried other ways, but, but that, you know, that's where we are. Should, should we, um, let's cut to the admit desk where there's been some calls for, for Dr. Ross. Mm. Yeah, do you remember Dr. Ross? Not yeah. really. Because <laughs> he kind of, he's, he's played a much lower role now since, obviously his big one yeah. was Hell and High Water. Yeah. And he had, you know, a little bit really after. There was the Hangover episode where yeah. he was a bit of a douche, to be honest. Yes. Um, and then he, not vanished, but he was very much, right, Low I think key. we've done Doug stories now for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And thankfully yeah. we got back to Susan, who can't tell you how much I'm loving Susan this season as well. Yes. <laughs> But I'm glad now that we actually have come back to Doug because, okay, right, two things. One, I'm glad we're back to Doug and love George Clooney. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Love him. Um, this is a slice of season one, Doug. Yeah. Um, and we get a, a returning 
storyline that even this Muggins right here, I watched the previously on ER, watched them do this storyline originally and still managed to forget it until um, <laughs> Carol out and out spoke to the camera and said, well, do you remember in this episode? Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Thanks, um, Carol. Sean, Sean, do you remember now? Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Like, you know, everybody stop. You with us? And it's very much protector dog. You know, it's, you know, yeah. any, and we love it. We it, do. It, no, 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 we, we do, we do, we do, because like he would do anything for a kid. If there's a kid in danger, he'll you know break any line. Uh, but the one thing I did feel it was like, Doug, you are so projecting. Yes, yeah. it's exactly exactly what I thought. Um, yeah, really projecting because it's so it's these two little lads who come in and they've been playing a playing um, and they've been what's called skitching, I believe. Yeah, skitching where yeah. they basically hang on to the back of a car going through the ice and. They get based. They, the pair of them get run over, and one of them's a lot, lot more uh, unwell, a lot more yeah. poorly, should we say? In fact, one's got a tire track across his abdomen, which sounds oh, horrible. The amount of horrible. damage, yeah. my god! Yeah, exactly. So it turns out that this little lad's dad has been in quite a few times because he was a notorious drunk in yeah. the ER. Um, and when child services turns, he says, "Actually, he's turned his life around." And kids will play hooky, kids will mess around, and they have had a rough time. Yeah. So they're still going to be playing around. Um, and the guy comes in and he's clearly cleaned up. He looks, Completely, uh, you know, yeah. glowing. Yeah, and, and the picture of worry. Like he's, yeah. he, he is yeah. worried about his son, yeah. you know. Definitely. Um, and yeah, exactly. As you say, Doug projects onto him. this around stuff and it takes Carol to, to pull him to one side before he pretty much decks the guy. It's yeah. really uncomfortable to watch, actually. It's a real, it's a real red flag to um, to kind of Doug's Doug's bull, isn't it? Every time yeah. a kind of, especially a father figure comes in, having treated a kid in a way, you know, straight away Ross loses all kind of sense, and he just sees red and works himself up. So he he has a go at the social worker, then has a go at at, at, um, at the dad, and yeah, as you say, Carol has to pull him away. But he's also a little bit of a poet. I don't know if you... So a bit later on, E-Ray says, oh, you know, your dad's on the phone. And he says, tell him I died and the funeral was beautiful and everybody cried. Yeah. And I thought, what a lovely poem. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I think what Doug's doing, what I imagine a lot of kids who've had trauma in their kind of younger years are doing is he's just so angry at his dad. And yeah. he, he thinks in his in his mind... I've cut that man off and he's not going to hurt me anymore. But then he reappears and actually he does hurt you. And then you're kind mm. of mad at yourself and also mad at him. And it just seems to bring kind of all that up, uh, up for Doug, which, you know, is an interesting kind of backstory, but, yeah. and, and it does it, it kind of explain why he is the way he is with dads, especially or people kind of bad parents. So maybe even why he became a pediatrician, you know, something yeah. about healing his own kind of broken heart as a kid, but um, but this is when it's great when Carol takes him aside and it's that thing of she's the one kind of the one person who's able to say that to him and him to understand or, or accept it maybe that, I, I agree I think only Carol could have dealt with him at that moment maybe Mark but we have seen him butt heads with Mark as well yeah. Yeah. so Carol and, and I think as well because there is no argument to what Carol says she's like what yeah. the hell are you doing yeah mm-hmm. exactly you know? um, oh well he's no stop right now what are you doing? And then she yeah. is a she yeah. is the, the cold splash of water, you know? Yes, exactly that, yeah. Um, and, and I wonder if it's because she, I mean, we don't, I'm not entirely sure where Carol's 
father is but we don't we know you know he's not there and i don't know if he died when she was young or if he left the family i don't really know oh, that's right because it's her uncle at the wedding isn't it it's not yeah, her dad it's not yeah. her dad so i wonder if there's something about and this may be me diving like delving way too deep but being able to take it from somebody else who doesn't have a dad whereas it mark has a dad so maybe you know mark you wouldn't know you wouldn't know what it's like i don't know that deep dive but possibly potential yeah potentially I, I think with carol and doug it's that there's also a lot of um I don't want to say sympathy, but there's a lot of emo- soft emotion between them. So yeah. if yeah. Mark came in and challenged him, yeah. then yeah, it would be a confrontation. But when Carol does it, she's doing it because she cares about Doug as a person yeah. rather than as a co-worker and a friend. Do you know I mean, there's that relationship there that nobody else has with Doug in the no, ER. So, she, so that's how she's able to get in there because she's in the soft spot. Yeah. She's, yeah. Which is cute. I love it when they kind of, they, they put them together a bit in this, in this episode. Yes. And I, I always like that when they kind of work together because they, they've been a little bit, kind of separated and he's been having the big storylines but in the past couple of episodes they've kind of been side by side again or had moments together which I think is always um is always good to kind of feed that little you know, they are a great pairing I mean yes. whatever about the 75 directions their relationship goes in over the yeah. course of the show uh Juliana Margulies and George Clooney are so good together yeah, yeah. so much chemistry exactly yeah yeah um, so it is. It is good to see them together, um, and also, Sharon, how happy were you that there was no intruding Shep this week? Honestly, this was my favorite episode for that reason alone. <laughs> I was like, we finally get. I was every time a paramedic came on screen, I thought, oh god, and then they would turn the head, and I'd be like, it's not Shep, it's not Shep. <laughs> I really enjoyed having a break from him, and um, that's yeah, I loved it. Fair enough. Straightforward. <laughs> um, so we've got a bad dad, or the, the the ghost of a bad dad. Now we've got the ghost of a bad mum because, yeah. you know, uh, Mark takes uh, Rachel out to to go skate and invites Susan along, and yeah. Rachel's just been really difficult this whole episode. Like, I think she feels very. I think she maybe she wanted time with just her dad alone. I think she's also. Yeah. A bit, threatened by the idea you know another woman in her her dad's life could this possibly become my mother you know there's a lot of kind of unresolved stuff going on there so she's quite brattish with with Susan and I, I also think that Green invited Susan along for the reason to create that that did not create the tension but you know make sure that he didn't he wasn't alone with Rachel because he doesn't want to yeah. have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's a bit shit of Green kind of putting her in that position. But, so, you know, Susan's a grown-up. She can she handles it really well, I think. She does, actually. She's able to kind of... Th- there's no kind of sense of Susan taking it personally. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. like, oh, well, clearly. Um, I have to say, Red Buttons is very good as Rachel this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Doubly an inspired lovely. guest star. Yeah. 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 Um, but, <laughs> no, I have to say, Rachel is... Kid who is annoyed is not an easy part for no. anyone to play. And she doesn't, like, she's a brat. Yeah. But you don't hate her for no. it. It's totally understandable. You see yeah. her pain. You see yeah. that. Yeah. And her confusion. Yeah. You and know, her kind what, of. When are you moving back in, Daddy? Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, can I put a fish in my room? Constantly asking about when yeah. he's moving in. And, and this is where. You know, you have to question Dr. Green, you know, this is a really tough dis- dis- uh, discussion he has to have, but he has to have it at some point with her. Um, although I, I wasn't sure, to, has Jen then not said anything? Because I feel like it should have come from 
both of them. And is Jen not with the other fella? I thought yeah. that was more or less suggested. Um, now, maybe they're just not living together. Or maybe they're not kind of showing the kid. Maybe they hang out right. with the kids and then they, are se- you know, they keep their relationship private or separate from the maybe. I don't know. But, but you know, um, I, I, I think it's really interesting. This episode, they have a couple of moments where I feel like the, the character is talking, could just talk to the, one of the characters could yes. just talk to the camera. And one of them, it, it, it does include Dr. Green because Susan has a patient, an alcoholic mother who con- who comes in and she's looks a lot older, but she's only 50, they realise. She's quite ill, but nothing that they can't fix. She's given, she's put herself as a DNR. Um, so they're, to not resuscitate and Susan's like come on we can you know this is treatable we can we can you know give you your life back and she's just like no I don't want to remove the DNR and I thought this was an interesting kind of side by side with the of the alcoholic dad because that was kind of one way that things could turn out you know the sense that he could get better and he chose that road and it was hopefully gonna be uh, a father and everything and then on this side you've got the woman who could never get better and you know her daughter turns up and is very angry at her mother as you can probably understand and I I thought that was a really nice touch but the moment I felt like she kind of might as well have just turned to the camera or just said Dr Green is where she says I don't know why people lie to their kids yeah. kids Children know yeah. and she might have just said that doctor I don't know why people lie to their kids Dr Green you know she <laughs> yes. might as well have just done that because that then is kind of a catalyst for him to to realise that actually he does need to have that conversation with Rachel. Um, well, I wish we had. A, I wish we had a little jingle maybe that we could play for. And this is the very special episode moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, that the nineties did so well, and now yeah. we're going to talk about this class. And this is exactly how it's kind of this entire storyline, which is a rough and it, it's difficult storyline yeah. to watch yeah. in this episode, is also that Mark can learn the lesson of you have to be honest with Rachel and just. One one la- one last thing actually on the on the Mark and Rachel thing before we go in to talk about the the mother and her daughter in this is that the I absolutely think that yes was was right to speak to Rachel, but Jen should have been in the room for it, and especially yeah. because she was now I don't know if he was aware of this, but she was only two minutes down the hall. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Daddy told me the truth, but you didn't. Is yeah. how that could come Ooh. across. Yeah, and also, you know, I've been with you, Mum, for all these weeks, and you've only just... That's why I thought it was odd. I I just felt like if you're going to have a divorce, you probably should announce that to your child. If you're amicable as well, maybe it's a good conversation to come from both of you, just so that you're both there, she knows you're both there, that things aren't really going to kind of change in the sense of their love for you. Um, And also, yeah, like the honesty and that communicate, opening that communication. And maybe that is why... Rachel kind of acts out and says she doesn't want to go back with Jen maybe because you know Green was actually the one who was honest with her and she probably feels a bit upset or hurt or doesn't really trust her mom in that at that moment which you know I, I completely get I, it, it's really cute kind of the the bit of Rachel we get in this because he's looking after Rachel for, for this episode and obviously he's a busy doctor so he's at work so she's kind of being pawned off around the ER to different people so we see her with E. Ray who's come back as a clerk to supplement his um, his nursing overqualified E. Ray who run the country but decides to be a nurse instead fine I love love his his (laughs) very pleasant boast in 1995-96 
I can do spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. Yes, anyway. Okay, and in 1996, that's very impressive. Yeah. In 2020, that's the basic on your yeah, CV, yeah. even if you're a surgeon. Yeah. Um, oh, and he's, you know, we have a moment where he's showing Rachel kind of, you know, skin lesions and Dr. Green's like, no, 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 that's going to scare her. Yeah, don't do that, don't do that. And so it's that kind of, you know, you're leaving her to be exposed to all kinds of the stuff that's going to come in. Well, then E-Ray says it's important. Actually, he, he quotes scripture and verse about child care. So it's yeah. actually important for children to uh, to face their fears. And uh, and Rachel says, no, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And we all <laughs> flicked through those biology textbooks and looked oh, at gross yeah. stuff, right? Absolutely. We all did yeah. that. Actually, sidebar, right, just on that for a moment, right? So I am a convert to the TikTok app. I love it. I spend many hours on it, right? I scroll. And out of the nowhere, youth. there is... La, da, 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 Oh, this is a full uncensored surgery. What? And I was, wow. I was, I mean, it, it was fine. It's very, very informative. And, you know, this is the guy's mm. um, uh, profile. That's what it's all about. But right. I'm thinking, I'm 32 and I did a double take. <sighs> you know, I'm like, imagine you were 11. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I would say it's not too bad, but it, it is at the same time. Mm. It's, it's certainly, you see more than you see in a horror movie. Do, do you know what I mean? Gosh. And I was kind of like, and yes, it normalizes it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Now, I move away from TikTok now for the moment. But yes, this exposure to certainly mm. like, what does daddy do all day? Well, you know, it would not be out of the realms of possibility that, you know, your dad sees the, you know, what yeah. human beings look like on the inside from a day to day basis. And a child's imagination is boundless. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes almost grounding it in reality. It's like, okay, if, if for example, you, um, you break your leg, this is what it looks like, and this yeah. is what it looks like healed. So there you go. So you don't, maybe don't have that fear of, oh, oh my God, I broke my leg. They're going to take my leg off or yeah, yeah. something yeah, exactly like that. Exactly that, yeah. No, that's, that's, re that's a really good point to kind of, and also maybe give her some appreciation on why he's not always around. You know, this, his job is quite a big, important job and it's 24 hours because you know accidents and injuries happen 24 hours a day whereas you know different with law courts because law courts shut at a certain time um and then we see her she's with Malik and I thought this was a such a sweet moment Malik's playing uh jacks with her which were huge at my primary school I don't know if you guys ever played that but they be they they had such a thing with uh, at my primary school about jacks and everybody wanted them and everybody wanted to play with them um so I felt nostalgic watching that <laughs> No, not really. No, no, we didn't. So, some some kids in the playground did. Uh, I was more into well, I had my Star Trek ship since I was only a small thing, but uh, chasing big one for chasing. Oh, okay. probably couldn't do it. I probably fall over with a heart attack if I did it now. <laughs> but loved it back at the time. Uh, then discovered kiss chasing. Oh, oh yes, I remember kiss chase very well. Yeah, it was fun. That's creepy. Oh yeah, so creepy. Especially because I remember once really not wanting to play and a boy being like just started chasing me so I had to run because you know I was like he's gonna get me otherwise and then the school bell went and we all had to stop in the in the um in reception we all sorry in reception in our playground we all had to stop still until they kind of told us to line up and in that moment yeah. where I stopped he grabbed me and he laid a really wet one on me yeah. I was not pleased and we've been married for the last 25 <laughs> years yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we met <laughs> Uh, no, we, sorry, we, is, that, is that a standard? Because we were the same. When the bell went off, we had to kind of 
well not yeah. freeze like it wasn't statues but she stood in your place yes she did that's yeah. right yeah 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 he broke the rule and nobody saw him so he got away with kissing me oh, um we used to play wolf and deer and i used to really like playing wolf and deer what's wolf and deer i've no so, idea you know, play wolf and deer so um one side's wolves and they chase the deer and the wolves have uh, like a den which is just the uh, place the do they have to drag you have to back. drag the deer back to the, the den, but then deer can come and tag the other deer out. And then right. if you get all the deer in there, then you swap over. But we I play, think we had a... I, we I don't know what we it. called it, but that sounds familiar, yeah. We but, called um, it British Bulldog, and it got banned from our school because people used to really drag people and start yeah. hurting and ripping clothes and hurting people, so they had to ban it. But yeah, we called it British Bulldog. We had a British Bulldog as well, but that was just over and over reenacting Bloody Sunday. And... Uh, <laughs> You are I may Irish. or may not leave that in the uh, podcast, guys. <laughs> I like it. Keep it. Oh, dear. But, um, um, anyway. I digress. So we find out Malika's four sisters, which is sweet. But I also really love that that sense of the ER, like we've discussed many times, you know, of being this family. So kind of Green's got his daughter here. He can't be with her. Different people kind of take on that role and entertain her. And it'd probably be quite fun for them. You know, somebody brings a kid and you don't have to do your day job. You can just play with the kid instead. Um so I think that's that for me that was just a really really sweet moment but yes if we go back to Susan and 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 this case she's got of this woman who's obviously an alcoholic um and comes in and has a DNR on her because she obviously feels she's got nothing to live for and nothing to give which is really heartbreaking they comment as well on just that the woman, they're all shocked when they see on her driving license, her date of birth, it's her 50th birthday, which is, uh, as they comment, obviously she started celebrating early, but she looks much older than 50. Now a little behind the scenes fact here is the actress who played her was in fact 68. They they deliberately went and found someone who was older so that they could kind of play up the, I mean, well, no, you're not supposed to look like this at age 50 to yeah. play the fact that she'd obviously lived hard and her body yeah. was paying the, you know, paying the price for that. And it's very, very, there's, there, there's also the, the, where, you know, they, first of all, she's brought in and they do what they need to do. And, and then the next time we see her, Susan sits down beside her and she's pulled out her own intubation tube. Yes. And I saw that, that. Oh, God, that, my throat was sore in sympathy. Absolutely. Because yeah. she's got a DNR, she just doesn't, she's had enough and we don't really get to find out why um and the daughter comes in um and she doesn't really explain why her mum is so messed up basically i just got this yeah we don't know why but she's obviously an alcoholic and i took it a bit as that she she just didn't a think she was kind of doing anything in her life you know her and her daughter didn't seem to have the best relationship so I felt like there was you know feel a real emptiness or feeling like she wasn't being doing the right thing in her life and also just maybe she couldn't she could just felt like she could never give up the drink or she was really struggling to give up the drink and it, it, she just knew she would die anyway from that so why not kind of now but yeah like pulling out the inter- intubation tube was, was is such a visceral kind of image to give out there and it just shows how out your life like sorry but just yeah, yeah you're right it's so uncomfortable yeah. yeah and i just think you know it's real it's a real way of showing us you know she does not want to live she does yeah. not want anything heroic done for her she she's done with life and i think that can be really tough for us to watch as people who aren't done with life and you know don't feel like that it can be really hard to 
to understand that and I just thought this was really well played by ER because it's it's quite a subtle storyline but it's also quite a violent storyline in other ways yeah. um, they don't show anything but a lot of the what it's referred to is quite like wow okay you know mm. I mean yeah. the daughter says that she's given up and the daughter's very angry with her, but we know anger comes from the fact she's she still feels for her mother. Yeah, she cares. exactly. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't be angry if you didn't care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is what Susan says, doesn't she? Yeah. She says, "Don't you want to go in?" And she says, "No, I'm mad at her." And she says, "Yeah, but you've been standing there for all this time." And it yes. it it taps into a bit of what what I think Doug feels. You know, it's that the parent has let me down, and I am mad at them, but I'm also compelled to feel something for them and be here you know it's that it's kind of showing a bit via this character just kind of some of what Doug may possibly be feeling because by the end of the kind of the treatment of the lady you know the, at the beginning the daughter's very like whatever I don't really care she's annoyed me you see the anger and it's really palpable and then when uh, the lady's dying the daughter's saying please Know, do something do something and Susan's like I can't she signed a DNR she was very clear we can't do anything and it's just that complex relationship you have with a, a troubled parent that you still feel something for them and you're still pulled to them but then you also hate that you are still pulled to them and hate everything they've kind of put you through I guess um yeah I thought that was a really well done story it is it's I mean it is sad it was meant to be sad but it's in those last few moments when the woman begins to flatline and yeah. the daughter, you know, she goes, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You know, please do something. Yeah. And Susan, she's obviously as nice as you can be in these situations. Like I, I can't, I'm not allowed. It's, I, I think there's a moment of acceptance because the daughter, she could try and fight it. Yeah. She could try and say, well, look, she's, you know, I, I don't know whether she would have been able to, but let's say she could have tried to go, mm. no, I'm overruling this. Uh, she's my mother. Um, Was she, she mentally capable when she made that exactly, decision? Exactly. Yeah. 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 She might yeah. have been told, listen, hang on, that, that, that horse is bolted. Now I can't yeah. do anything about it now. But I think in that moment, you know, she has her head in her hands. It's very sad, but yeah. she does accept that her mother is gone. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it, God, it's just, and another thing I wondered a bit about, I thought they were kind of giving it some kind of hints possibly at her life is that, so the lady was 50, but her daughter looked quite a lot, you know, looked quite a substantial age. So, you know, had she had her daughter quite young, had that been, you know, another thing that had kind of derailed her life in some ways, I don't know, but, um, or caused trouble, you know, stopped her from being able to do some things, I don't know. But um, I thought that was, I liked that, the way they kind of, created this character but didn't show everything but kind of left little hints yeah it kind of leaves you in <clears throat> susan's shoes because yeah susan doesn't mm -hmm. get the backstory she sees the chart she knows <clears throat> that uh they, they talk about it up at the admin desks she's she's been in for detox she yeah. has had um i think liver failure she was mm. in for one point as well and broken bones as well yeah uh, so, so obviously which is obviously then we assume it's to do with the drinking, you know, maybe she yeah, fell yeah. down a stairs. She walked out for who knows, but it's all sort of part of the whole. Yeah. But what Susan knows is a woman has come in. She's DNR. There's clearly family issues. Yeah. Um, presumably because of the alcohol, which of course something called the calls the alcohol issues. Is it a vicious circle? Hmm. And then at the end of the day, Susan has to sign off and go. 
time of death, next patient. Yeah. yeah. And as an audience, we would often get in some form or another, we get a little bit of backstory enough for us to say, understand why someone's in this situation. Yeah. Even though going all the way back to the pilot, Mark says, we don't ask that about every other. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So like, we're not asking that about this one. We, we have been spoiled a little bit with tidbits and backstories. Mm-hmm. And even if not, re- well, if not positive resolutions, then negative resolutions like, yeah, no crap. They are going back to the bad house or something. Whereas this is like, this is, it's in a bubble. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really is. Oh, and then somebody else has turned up at the, um, uh, at the hospital and Carol wants to play a guessing game. She's saying to everybody, come on, guess who it is that he's dressed as a Catholic schoolgirl." And everybody's like, we don't want to play Carol. We're not into playing right mm-hmm. now. We're all having a bit of a shit day. And, um, and it turns out it's, it's Morgan Stern. So obviously as good ER staff will go and laugh at him outside the window, um, which <laughs> was a very, I can get it. You'd want to see your boss if they looked humiliated. But I also thought, you're supposed to be caring people who are in the caring profession. This does not feel very caring. Okay, so as a part, as I'm part Scottish, so oh, okay. Scotland is a big part of my heritage. I spent a lot of time there as a kid. As a kid, we always went on holiday to Scotland. Almost always went on holiday to Scotland. I'm like, you must have understood. Like, you know that Scottish men wear kilts, right? Yeah, I and found I just, that far fetched. It's just, yeah, it's just a bit weird. It's almost as far fetched and not in the same league by any stretch as the last week, the Holocaust survivor. You know, yeah. survivor of what? Huh? Do you know what, what I mean? What these just, numbers mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just like just a little bit badly written, but um, but yeah, Morgan Stern. I was. I was sort of thinking, Morganson's not a Scottish name that I'm aware of, but he explains it that um, his his dad is a Russian Jew and his mum is full blooded Scottish. And yeah. um, I, I actually really like this, and I think it shows how good the actor is at the comedy. And I've just gone blank on his name. Uh, William H Macy. Thank you. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, but then, so there's loads in here that kind of really remind me of of you know my family and, and all oh. the rest of it. Yeah, it is quite cute. Um, do you celebrate Burns Night? I I uh, I do a bit. My my parents do, and they have done in the past. So like on Burns Night, they would uh, my brother and his wife would go over, and the boys would when they were younger, and yeah. mum would make sort of daft little uh, tartan sashes for them, and Aww. get them like a little tam o' shanty with the with the red hair sticking out. Oh, I love and then, it. Yeah, but then she'd make the haggis, neeps, and tatties. So haggis right. is delicious. I love haggis. I've got one. I have actually had haggis. I will yeah. say yes, it is very yeah. tasty. I'm vegetarian. Sorry. I would avoid you haggis. You can get you can get vegetarian haggis. You I don't can. know. I think they you make can. it from the entrails of turnips. I don't know. Uh, but, um, but, well, can I just say my haggis story that I have is that when I was studying drama, uh, we were all living in this halls of residence with this and one of my friends, Kenny, who's a wonderful Scottish man, had decided to buy himself a haggis because he missed home, and he cooked it or burnt it, or we're not really sure what happened, but he ended up smelling out the whole of our halls of residence of just oh, kind of haggis. That's what you want. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's, we were like, thanks, I'd, Kenny. I'd be there. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, so, um, but now what they do, and last, um, was it last, yeah, it would have been last year, I think, mm. or the year before. Well, actually, what they do in the village is, my dad's the only Scottish person in the village. He doesn't sound Scottish, but he is Scottish. Um, and they have a Burns night and my dad does the full address of the haggis 
um, and he reads the, the, the Ravi Burns um, poem. poem. He, they they walk the haggis around and Amazing. they sort of they wave That's whiskey really bottles. Cool. They wave I know they wave whiskey bottles above their head and it, they like clap along and I think yeah they got a bagpiper one year. Yeah. I know it's be there for that. That sounds so cool. It, it I'll does. I'll send you the video. I'm not going to share it on social because of uh, privacy reasons. Of course, yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, it's, so you hear that, listeners? Ha 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 ha. But um, yeah, it's just such a. I really love. It, it made me feel, feel quite nostalgic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a one point, there's this horrendous catwalling sound. Now, not everybody likes bagpipes, but I actually quite like them when they sound good. Obviously. When they sound good, yeah. Because, it, it, again, it's, it's pure nostalgia. It reminds me of being up there and it's, it just feels lovely. But, yeah, Morganstone cannot play them. Gosh, um, no. Take them terrible. off him. Exactly. Um, a badly played bagpipes is a bit like, you know, when. If the greatest have to start somewhere, right? So when yeah. Yeah, yeah. a young person starts learning, or an old person starts learning the violin, and it sounds like yes. you're taking a straight razor from the mouth of a cat <laughs> down to its uh, belly button, you know. Yeah. And it's true. If I someone was doing that to me, I would also make that kind of noise. Um, <laughs> another funny little um, behind-the-scenes tidbit, and I'm, I'm not sure, Ed, did you did you know this? Is that this episode aired on Burns, on Burns Night? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw the date. I saw the date, and I was like. Pretty sure that's Burns Night. Um, love that. I love that. Yeah. But then uh, all of Morganstone's Scottish family turn up. Uh, yeah. There's some very handsome bagpipers among them. I don't mind telling you. Um, very but... dodgy accent from one of them. Though. Oh, I couldn't God. tell. Yeah, I thought, was he Australian or what? It changed, yeah. it changed second to second. And I'm like, yeah. I really, there must be enough Scottish people around who <laughs> can, they can draft in. Yeah. Um, it's funny. And the haggis but... looks terrible. Does like, it? Is that not what white. it's supposed to? It's white. I'm like, I have no reference. Is, is that like a thick skin on the haggis? I'm just like, Ooh. I've never seen a haggis look like that. And maybe okay. you can get longer ones for, to have more people. They sat on a bed of salad. It looks like salad leaves. I'm like, Scottish people don't eat salad. <laughs> well, <have> Sharon, how <laughs> dare <laughs> We sometimes have it with our deep fried bars bars. Our deep fried <laughs> pizzas. We have a, a you know side salad, which is a deep fried tomato. But, um, <laughs> I can say this, you can't. Oh. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> it is fair. I have an aunt who's an uncle who's Scottish now, still um, alive. <laughs> and that's why I can say the thing about Bloody Sunday, but yes. you guys can't. That exactly. is so exactly. true. If we so made that true. joke, then we like game over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, you have it traditionally, haggis is served with meats and tatties. And meats is mashed sweet and tatties, or you can guess is potatoes. Mm. Um, and like he passes it around, and I was turned off by, I was like, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. It's actually really hard to get uh, haggis in America because of the, um, you can't buy offal. Oh, I did hear that before, yeah. yes. So they can't sell it. So uh, a couple of years ago, and I was seeing somebody who lived in America, and um, we did Burns Night um, on FaceTime, which oh. was so cute. So cute. Like, super cute. Uh, but he managed to find some of those, like a <gasps> Scottish restaurant in Chicago. Funny enough, he lived in Chicago at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, but it, it was. I really like this bit. Apart from it was so handled so badly. <laughs> I was like, you must know what kilts are. I'm like, oh, I thought that. I ju- I found that really uncomfortable. I just and the whole perving on him, like, oh, yeah. he's into this, he's into that. And he didn't yeah. even cross dressing. He broke his leg. 
give the man some dignity. What, what I, is it as well? If I get a 10 by 10, I'm never working weekends again. It was just like, yeah, guys, yeah. come on, you're better than this. And they actually, yeah. in fairness, they are better than this. We've seen them be better than yeah. that. Yeah, exactly yeah. Exactly that. And I, I thought it was weird as well, because actually, even when we finally saw Mer- Morganstone, at no point did I look at that and think that, that you could ever construe that as a... Catholic school girl outfit. There's it's no tie. Yeah, yeah. There's What's no. You know. And it's got the. Uh, I forget the name. Sorry, maybe help me out. The the, the bag at the front. Sporin. Sporin. Thank you. Yeah, it's got that as well, which mm-hmm. obviously is not a part of a Catholic school. Okay, I've not been a Catholic school girl for a while now, but I'm fairly certain <laughs> that's not part of the uniform. You were so no. beautiful when you were a Catholic school girl, though. Yeah. Thank you very much, especially when the beard came in. Mm. <laughs> um. I thought it was a really sweet moment because yeah. we do we see Morganstone really he's obviously very proud of this heritage and he's very like oh I'm sad because I won't be able to do it and I was going to be and then everybody turns up for him and I just thought yeah. you know that's such, it shows he's part of this lovely kind of family that really care and are going to include him no matter what which which I thought was a nice a nice touch um should we move things over to Benton who's yes. having why were we being too happy for a second? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cut the happy down. We're being seduced to the dark side. By, there we uh, go. By yeah. in this episode. Mm. Oh, I have a theory, and we'll move on to that. I'm sure. Yeah. So Benton, we see. You know, he's been invited to Fuselage's party. He's invited Jeannie to come with him, and then this really gory case comes in. You know, somebody comes in, and he's got a pole basically stuck mm. in him. Yeah, yeah which was so gross. And um, I really loved the saw man who kind of turned up with the saw and they said, yeah. you have to come here and cut it. And he went, who, me? Yeah, they yeah. gown him as well. He's yeah. basically, he, he kind of makes a crack. Like, you know, this is, you know, I've, I've had to cut through things before, but not yeah. patience. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed him. He was fun because then he later was. he's like, "That was what I've never been called for a medical consult." There's, there's a funny moment of this. I don't know. Did either of you catch this? And I, I wasn't sure if it was a blooper that actually managed to make it into the episode, right? So it's just after the. I think it's just after he's sawed and they're taking the chair possibly away, and Carter walks into the room. And somebody obviously tosses him a gown, but they don't toss him a gown. They full on wallop him across the face with the gown. He nearly goes back against the door. And I thought that has to be an outtake that they've left in by mistake. Oh, I love it if it is. And if it is, in fairness to Noah Wiley, he doesn't blink. He just kind of goes and continues on with the shot. It's because they're doing those big one takers, you know, where the camera's going around. But I mean, like, you know, oh, they nearly tried to take out John Carter there. It was Ruby. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so we see, you know, Benton's going to take this patient up to to surgery. Carter wants to come along. He says, no, you've got work to do. And at that moment, unfortunately, Ruby comes back with his wife who has decompensated. um, But we're going to follow Benton. So Benton goes up to surgery. We see Hicks. Dr. Hicks is back. Yay. We missed her. missed her. Yeah, it's one of those things where she was in the next room the whole time. <laughs> yeah. She was busy. Her and um, Weaver, yeah. Yeah, her yeah. and Weaver were somewhere together. And Shep. Can yeah. Shep stay there? Yeah. yeah in the other room, please. Um, so yeah, we see Hicks, which is great. So they're you know, they're both working in the in the operating theater. And Benton has a theory, and Hicks has a theory, but Benton kind of not pushes his, but he's like, really, I think I can do this. And mm. 
he's got this idea in his head that he can do his version and be finished by the time Vucelidge walks in. You know, I can imagine him thinking, I'll stitch him up just as Vucelidge comes in, you know, says, where are we? And you say, we don't need you, Benton. Did it. I don't know. He's got this kind of thing yeah. that's really pushing him. Um, so, you know, Hicks says, fine, well, okay, we'll, we'll try your way. And it all just goes wrong for him. You know, he, he it doesn't work the way he thinks. When by the time Vucelidge turns up, he's like, you know, we're using garden shears because it was it's quite bad. Yeah. And poor Benton feels very like he has this moment where he's like, okay, so uh, you know, I, I haven't been able to do what I wanted to do. But not only that, but Vucelidge just had to like walked in at the end and had to take over and basically fix my mess, um, which is it's, embarrassing. It is. It's highly embarrassing. And but the, I, I was thinking a funny thing. So. Immediately then, we're given another glimpse into where Vucelich stands in the hierarchy because yeah. Hicks apologizes to him. And yeah. Hicks has been the head of surgery for how long? So, you know, we were just like, okay, right. So for me in my head, I went, right, put Vucelich up another couple of uh, notches yeah. there. But also, I think if I were in Hicks' position, I probably would have believed Peter as well. I mean, he was yeah. 100%. I, I have done two of these myself and I've assisted yeah. on five. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Why not? Yeah, yeah sounds sounds fine. Um, and, you know, obviously, yeah, Vuesters comes in. And this, I suppose, because this is the whole section of the episode now where it's kind of Peter and Vuesters. This is another dark part of Vuesters, is that first of all, he comes in and as you said, what did you use? Garden shears and he, he gets to work. And, you know, Peter has potentially put this man's life in, like, you know, dangling by a thread, you know? Peter recognizes this and he goes, I made a fool of, well, okay. He, he says, I made a fool of myself. It's kind of, is the guy dead or alive? That's kind of what should be the number one concern. <laughs> yeah, not, not you. And he naturally assumes, oh, that's it. My mentor doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. And that'll be the end of that. I'll be off the study. And he kind of goes to Jeannie and says, well, I hope he didn't go to too much trouble tonight. And Jeannie's like, you know, obviously in the middle of doing something else, she's like, oh, all right, then I, I guess tonight's off. And away he goes. Cancel my makeover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah that yeah. was very good. Yeah. And then, so it's kind of Vuselich's secretary whose name sorry escapes me um i feel like it's claire but i may have made that up i un, unless i hear different it's claire it's so claire. claire tells benton like no you're going to the dinner tonight like there's she drops in you are the replacement somebody yeah. else dropped out you, you are yeah. the last minute so he's like oh okay and still manages to take this well yeah but yeah. there's nothing there's no comeback there's no not that I want Peter punished, but there's no punishment for his hubris, his sheer ricking hubris. Um, <laughs> and it's like, did Vuselich care about the person on the bed or did Vuselich just be like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing for the next few minutes. You know, this is the next surgery. This will be the next paper. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's worrying how dehumanizing yeah. or dehumanized Vuselich is. Yeah. And actually what he does, which I think will show even more how cold Buselidge is, is he berates him more for being late to the party than he yeah. does. You know, Peter turns up and there's this lovely moment where he sees Jeannie and Jeannie looks beautiful and they both kind of say to each other, you know, you look nice and you're like all warmed there. And then Buselidge goes, right, dinner is now served, now everybody's here and kind of gives uh, Peter that knowing look. So the fact that that's what he would pick up him up on rather than 
shredding somebody's insides is very, very telling. And then they have that horrible scene where he says, you know, Peter, can you stay back and mm. let's have a conversation? And you think this is it. This is the He's gone he's, now. Yeah. He'll be, yeah. You know, clear out your desk or yeah. clear out. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, no, we need people like you. Oh, I don't know. I just felt, it felt very like kind of backroom dealings. And I know they weren't mm. making any deals, but it just felt really sleazy to me in this kind of. Yeah. It feels like a conversation on the golf course, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I really hated the way people were talking to Benton. They were very much like, oh, you're his heir apparent. So mm. he's got such a view of himself that he obviously says to all his kind of colleagues and friends, you know, oh, I've got Peter Benton who I'm, you know, is going to take over from me because I'm so amazing. I'm going to fit him to my image kind of thing. And they're all like, yes, but he's, they're going to fit you. And Benton feels very like, oh, yeah, I'm his heir apparent. But I was like creeped out by that yeah. whole, I just hated it. The dinner table talk was like, oh, uh, don't drink too much because last time you ended up investing 5% in Vucelich's uh, drug. I have an overarching theory, which I was talking to you both about today. Yeah. I think Vucelich is a vampire. I love this theory. I am <laughs> um, so sold on this. I'm on board, yeah. Yeah. I, I obviously don't mean literally, or do I? Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, like, there's like some superficial stuff. So he's, he's got the trappings of the vampire. He's got this big gorgeous mansion yeah um and also he's quite seductive you know when he's, mm. he's sort of talking to benton uh this time and he's offering him a cigar and a port and all the rest of yeah. it um there's a lot of other stuff going on so it's just the way he treats people as, as objects definitely you know, it's, it's predatory it's quite predatory yeah. in some yeah. ways um, Joey, on that phrase, just for once, because I, I really want to pick up on what you said, the way he treats people like objects, I really get that Vuselich is a collector, right? Yes. And, and I think that Benton, who is this young, incredibly talented, yes, okay, he's arrogant, but he's incredibly talented black surgeon. And yeah. I really ah. think he wants to, you know, add Benton to his collection of stuff yeah. now we've seen part of his collection is you know the presence from the patients that survived and another oh, thing that made me trophies trophies mm. yes and what made me deeply uncomfortable and again and this goes toward how dehumanist i think he is is that he has a black maid answer the door yes. Yes. and that made that, me yeah. just it's it's not simply the fact that there was a black maid in the house it's that Vuselich has a black maid mm -hmm. and yeah. I think that was to suggest that well of course like that that's who would do that job yeah that's how I think he is being presented and yeah. again I mean we, we've seen his lack of empathy we've seen Definitely. how he you know, you know the, the cigars and the whiskey and everything yeah. it's all just very blah. And I yeah. think as well that, you know, Dr. Hicks isn't there. You know, does he have a thing about, is he only really interested in kind of men? Because Dr. Mm. Hicks, you know, he gives Carter quite a bit of the time of day. And he's always like, oh, Carter, you should come along to this. And But Hicks, you know, she's obviously been working under him and working for a while with him. But he has no real use for her, it seems. Like you say, she's, she's not somebody he wants to collect. He also feels to me like somebody who would be like, yes, I gave the black woman a job, therefore I am wonderful, you know, rather than so being great. like, yeah. yeah, that's how I, I, I feel about Vuselage. But back on to Count Vuselage. <laughs> yeah, so um, I also was joking with you both to say that, have you ever seen him near a mirror? Hmm. Um, yes, yes, we actually have. Because when, uh, Carter, <laughs> when, I know, when Carter had his hickey the other week, yeah. Vuselage was paying a lot of attention to a, uh, a bloody mark on uh, Carter's neck. 
Yeah, he watches. It God. looks good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um. <laughs> He's always lurking in the shadows and slivering, slithering out. Vuslic might be a Serbian name, and there's a lot of vampire lore from Serbia. That's all I'm saying. Um, but also, I'm saying, have you ever seen him eat garlic bread? I'm putting well, that one out there. This is it. This is it. And I just imagine Carter in like a, a flouncy shirt or a nightdress, leaving his, uh, his, big, wind, his big windows open. At and night he was making his notes on a voice recorder because he can't yeah. be filmed. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think so. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I think he switches a vampire. And what yeah. better place for a vampire to hide than in a hospital? Where there's Absolutely. Of Ideal. Splashing around. Well, oh, well, this person didn't make it. I'll take care I'll of the body. <laughs> I also can imagine if, if he's ever doing surgery he, without other people, like he probably sometimes takes a, a case off. And if he ever needs to do suction, he can just do yeah. it himself <laughs> rather than cutting yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I brought a straw. The cap, yeah. the <laughs> Put his head in the chest. A curly straw. curly straw. Brilliant. Uh, see, that's our theory, and we're sticking to it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen no proof of the of the opposite. Exactly. No. Exactly. exactly. Well, should we talk about the Carter in the room? So, oh, one more thing. Just we do. One more thing. Genie looked a million dollars at that yeah. at that place. 100%. It was under slightly understated, but just she oh, yeah. did have a maker, and she did it for herself because she's. She knows how to move in this kind of like she's yeah. so much more comfortable yeah. than Peter is. Yeah. Yes, you know, Definitely. and like, he turns to her really, really quietly and goes, Which one is the truffle? And she knows she, she's on the same because she goes, I'm not sure, maybe that one there, but yeah. she's just so cool about everything. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, yeah. so what? Yeah. I don't belong here, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to be here. You know, that yes. that kind of, so what? I've been invited, yeah. here I am. She also does say to him, um, oh, thanks, I had fun tonight. I'm like, did you? Because <laughs> so I can't funny. imagine anyone having fun with Benton, and I don't know what Benton does for fun. Like, like, <laughs> stares at up, walls. Yeah, kick, kick orphans, stare at walls. He watches surgery on TikTok. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, that was just my last bit about Benton and Jeannie. Um, what a but, great yeah. bit. Yeah, Jeannie. It, it's, I really like this bit because Vucic really is turning into it like a, almost like a cartoon villain. He in is some ways. He's practically twirling his moustache. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely um, building it up, aren't they? They're putting these little tracks down. Um, so yeah, so let's go to back to the Carter in the room. So we've had this build-up of kind of Carter and Ruby. And Car Carter has not managed to talk to Ruby. Oh, well, sorry, be honest with Ruby. And in this episode, what I think was really sweet was we saw a lot of... Um, we saw a lot of... Um, Jeannie kind of helping Carter out and supporting Carter so Ruby would come in and he would he would like she would like see that Carter was getting stressed and to kind of take him away or distract him which you know I thought was lovely but she does at one point say to him you know Carter you have to tell the truth you have yeah. to um say what you know you have to say what the truth is to him because you're you've been his doctor all this time he trusts you it can't come from anybody else and Carter, time and again, just completely fails to do it. And and he's actually, all he's trying to do is get her off his service, completely away from him, so he can move on and, and go to other things. And quite rightly, you know, Ruby comes in at the end. You know, we've got this shot of Carter kind of working on his paperwork, which Benton will be very happy about. That's true, yeah. Yeah. And um, 
and Ruby comes in and he has he confronts him he says you know I trusted you and you lied to me you didn't tell me about her condition and have this real kind of confrontation where Carter's like you, you know you didn't want to listen to me and I, I'm just a fourth year medical student and there's not much I can do and me and Sean I think differ a little bit on how we feel about blame mm. or how how we feel about this so I'm going to let Sean you know say his incorrect words and I'll ask him <laughs> in with the truth absolutely fine Grant. okay so theory number one so th- there's a couple of bits to this and I think what what is disappointing in Carter here is that first he he wasn't able to turn around and just say to Ruby the truth yeah. he continued to try and pass the problem off which is he looked for other studies that would take her um and all like unfortunately we know from the dialogue that it was all to do with getting her off his hands it was getting her you know onto another rotation because it was about getting ruby onto another doctor's attention um and I don't blame him for wanting to get away. I not, not, not for a moment, because look, this is ER. How many patients must have passed through the doors on that day alone? But he, he didn't have the, I suppose, the wherewithal to speak to Ruby like a person as opposed to a daughtery old man, which yeah. is what he clearly thought of him as. And the other side of it is that it's one thing entirely to be frustrated and more than fair, of course it's fair. I mean, like, how could you not be frustrated in, certainly in the job he's doing? And certainly he has been let down by his, you know, supervisors. He's been let down across the board. But the unforgivable thing that he does is while this man is standing there going, why couldn't you just be honest with me? Yeah. He goes, listen, I'm a fourth year medical student and you don't know how busy I am. And the man is just like, my wife is dying and you could have saved me some heartache here. Yeah. Um, And, you know, this will be a, I'm I'm trying to think of the word, but this will guide Carter in a lot of what he does going forward, this lesson. And I think he does fail. He, he fails in his duties, but he fails himself because we know he's better than this. Gotcha, he really is, it's true. And I think he got a little bit caught up in kind of rubbing shoulders with the Vuseliches of the world and the, obviously he has loved Benton since day one, even the days when he hates Benton, he still loves yeah. Benton, can do yeah, no devoted. wrong. Yeah. And unfortunately, in this episode, the patient paid the price. Okay, so... Sean, Sean has made a point in the de- so that's a, a point Sean in this debate. As the moderator, I will now move to uh, Madam Sharon Clare for her rebuttal. Sharon, ready. Um, so my thing is, and I have to say, I don't disagree with a lot of what you know Sean says. This isn't the best of Carter. Um, he should have done more. But I also I think the blame f- lies more with Benton Vuselage. You know Vuselage took her when she wasn't really right for his surgery or he says afterwards she was right for his study but it didn't go the way he wanted so he dumps her 
but he dumps her in a way that he leads Carter down a, a really wrong path. You know, he, he's like, what do you think we should do? He knows exactly what's going to happen when Carter says what he says. And later he says that to Carter, you know, you should have known this is what was going to happen as if it was obvious to a fourth year medical student, which it wasn't. He let kind of Carter build that relationship with Ruby because Ruby was, you know, he's a very worried man. And then he just dumps him, you know, we, you can see he does that thing at the beginning of this episode where he comes in and he's, he kind of is all nice to uh, Ruby and his wife and then walks, uh, walks off two seconds later, he, he, he completely changes. And then Benton does the same and Benton is supposed to be his teacher. So you can, anybody who's seeing this can see that Carter is struggling, that he's overwhelmed, yes. that this is not like any other case and Ruby is overwhelming him rightly or wrongly that's just what's happening and I just felt like it was negligent on their parts not to kind of be with him or try and support him or try and figure out ways instead of pressuring him to finish his paperwork and get rid of that patient you know this is, was a real teaching moment where they could say okay what's going on right this is how we should try a bit of support you don't even have to kind of take over from him but just have a conversation where you maybe guide him to what might be a better option um you know and you know there is a lot that Car I wish Carter could have been honest with him but I think what had happened was he'd created this relationship with Ruby when he didn't realize how bad things were and I think because Ruby came to really rely on him and depend on him it became really hard for Carter to turn around and say well actually no and that could be an experience and be young it could also be you know you don't want to be the person who who delivers that news even though he's the doctor but I also think you know I don't know how much Ruby would listen to him he tried to start out by saying stuff but Ruby doesn't let him speak and it's not the best handled thing that happens but I don't feel like Carter's to blame okay point to Sharon I really hope this comes through the, the sound otherwise <laughs> I'll be like what's what's yeah. they doing I mean, just in general, people people probably think that anyway. But um, <laughs> I think you've both both made valid points, and um, it's it's a really tricky situation. I think you both, as I say, you're both right, and I agree with Sean that that, that Mrs. Rubidoux, this whole case will define him as a doctor yeah. from now on about how he prioritizes, how he talks to patients, and how he ultimately sees the, sees their care all the way through as much as he can. Um, I think Mr. Rubidoux had some great lines in this. In this bit, and it, it's a, it is a scorching uh, scene. He says, uh, "You gave me hope because I thought you cared," which is yeah. a tough, tough thing to hear. But also says, uh, "You look at my wife, and all you see are her problems." And he, as you said, he he talks about it. he remembers of being a dancer at the age of twenty, a mother at the age of thirty, and all these sort of mm. different facts, and that rehumanizes um, Mrs. Rubidoux. Um and the last. The last killer line <clears throat> after Carter finally tells the truth and he, he apologizes. So sorry, Ruby. Miss uh, Ruby says, "Call me Mr. Rubidoux," yeah. which was uh, what a line to finish with. Yeah. There's just one little scene at the end of this where Mark uh, just moving away from this because it's it's a hard one. Mm. Um, Doug is sat in the uh, in the staff room. Yeah. He's about yeah. to call his dad. Mm. It goes the the call connects. And Doug can't talk to him. He can't. He just can't do it. Yeah. 
So Mark walks in and Lewis is there. They're both looking pretty rough. So he brings in some single malts, which I thought yeah. was like, oh, I want to be there. I know they're all the best ones that they want to be. I want to be there. Yeah, they'd all had a really horrible day. And, you know, because Susan kind of comes in after that horrible, you know, the mom dying and yeah. walks in on Green, uh, sorry, on Doug. And then she kind of goes, can I join you? And just flops down. And then, yeah, he, uh, Green comes in and he's like, bad days. And then he hands out the alcohol. And it just feels like a really nice ending in that sense of yeah. whatever crap else is going on, they've got each other. Yeah. Have we got time to see some drugs? Always. Always. I'm ready. Fabulous. Um, so it's, you've heard it mentioned a few times the last two episodes. It's this thing called Lasix. Yes. Um, in the cocktail of drugs that they're giving to poor old um, Cerebridu. So it's actually uh, called furosemide. I think I pronounced that right. Um, which is a loop diuretic medication used to treat uh, fluid buildup due to heart failure, a liver scarring, kidney disease, but also used to treat the high blood pressure. So I think it's part of the whole cocktail that they were giving to her to keep her alive, more alive. or less. That's exactly, it's balancing out everything else. They even mentioned with Lasix, well, what are you going to do about the low blood pressure? It's, um, yes, yeah, so it works by decreasing the reabsorption of sodium by the kidneys. And also, yeah, it's on the World Anti-Doping Agency's banned drug list due to concerns it might mask other drugs. Oh. Yeah. And it's used in racehorses for treatment and prevention of exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. So I guess when they just run them too hard, yeah. they're hard. Aww. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, Lasix or Furosemide. Amazing. There wow. goes. Some drugs. Great. Love it. I feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've have, we have a couple of everybody's been in ER in, yes. in this episode. Um, Ed, you caught this one. I actually, I, I didn't catch this one. That the daughter of the the alcoholic lady uh is uh an actress called jessica steen mm -hmm. spelling tbc um and she appeared on stargate sg1 originating the role of dr elizabeth weir that's right yeah um i thought she was actually in ben horizon as the medical technician but i think i just look quite similar i think i was getting them mixed up but yeah she's been in quite a few things uh jessica steen but also there's uh, Tim Dazan who plays, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's, it's Noah's dad. Oh, yeah. um, and I recognised him, especially when he looked a bit rough in the other episode. Because he played the, uh, Mordecai the Harbinger in one of my favourite films, Cabin in the Woods. And uh, yeah. um, he just suits that. Yeah, he's been in absolutely loads of stuff. He's got 148 credits on IMDb. Wow. Uh, including stuff in that are completed and in pre and post production. Um, he's been Better Call Saul. Um, he's been in two uh, iterations of Star Trek, so Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uh, it was in Agent Carter as well, which I did. Uh, Castle, just so much stuff. Everything. Obviously, obviously, he's been in NCIS. Obviously, everybody's been in either NCIS or CSI. Didn't they just yeah. move the cast over? Like, you know, okay, <laughs> no, you finish off set two, head over to yeah. set three. Yeah. Where you're yes, playing deceased exactly, person yeah. number three. What's yeah. interesting, actually, because I'm watching West wing at the moment which is also executively produced by john wells is the amount of crossover between that and somebody will turn it so like you yeah. raise in it and, and mary mccormick's in it and just people and you're like oh you you know you're you you turn up in er or it's like that's what i've been doing i've been everybody from er has been in the west wing. Ah, it's my okay. own little game i play in my head and quite a few of them have been touched by an angel i imagine yeah i mean i don't think you can be in hollywood without being touched by an angel <laughs> i think that's the rule so I may have that wrong. <laughs> Hang on, you know the um, the drunk mum, Eileen Ryan? Yeah. 
Um, I was just having a bit of a, just closing down the, my various tabs open. And she was in Dr. Welby, which is the show that um, Mark Green was watching, <gasps> was watching last week. No I love it. I know, I just, I do really like this. She's been in loads of stuff as well. So I didn't recognise her particularly, but she's been in the Twilight Zone. Um, Bonanza, Marcus Welby, MD. Yeah. Loads of stuff. Um, but yeah, Matlock. <laughs> Everyone's been in that one. Well, of a certain uh, age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. CSI. She's been in CSI. There we of course, go. Of course. Yeah. There we go. And we're calling it. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at you set the tone pod on Insta and at set underscore pod on Twitter. And remember, you set the tone. Mm-hmm.